Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Zakenu, 
J.M. in the A.M. Got, <laughs> got cut off there a little bit. <laughs> That's how the tracks work on the brand new album by Aton Katz. We worked Aton Katz into the first half hour of our show twice, which I'm very happy about. It's a great brand new Live in Jerusalem, volume number three. We hope to get him in the studio uh, very, very soon. Bezrat Hashem here at J.M. in the A.M. And uh, we'll speak with him about the brand new album, etc., etc. Uh, good morning. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Before the Eitan Katsky Kelmelech, you heard Lagba Omer by Joey Newcomb. Zusha, brand new with The World to Come. Rabbi Akiva, brand new from Yoel Weiss. Eitan Katz with Hoshia. Adaraba, that's Ari Frazier and Yossi Bayless. Anna Melech from a young gentleman named Ty Gersberg. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It is um, a Friday. Uh, here on uh, JM and the AM, the 12th day of May, day number 21 in the month of ER. The year is 5783, Tufshin Pei Gimel. Today is day number 36 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 36 in the counting of the Omer. If you've got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Bahar, and Bechukosai, a double Parsha. Closes out Safer Vayikra, so it's Shabbos Chazak. And candle lighting time in New York, 743. Again, 743, candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 743, candle lighting in New York City. Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, my thanks to Avrami. He sat in yesterday, late Wednesday. I had uh, yet another foot surgery. Baruch Hashem, things seem to be uh, under control. I thank everybody who was in touch um, over the last couple of days with uh, care and concern. Much appreciated. Uh, Baruch Hashem, able to be here in our studio this morning here at JMAM. And we are live speaking to you around the world from New York City with a very, very big Friday broadcast. A very, very big Friday broadcast, including Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, uh, Dr. Faye Zakheim is going to join us about a big event that's coming up. Joey Bodner is scheduled to join us. He's chairing a big event coming up. Uh, Malcolm Honeline, of course, weekly update. We'll do that for you coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time and a lot going on, obviously, with what's happening in Israel, etc. So we're talking about a full Friday show here at JM&AM, followed by uh, the 300th episode of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 a.m., followed by the return of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, coming up at 10 a.m. So there's a lot happening 
And there is absolutely no reason to move away from our incredible broadcast venue at any point today. No reason whatsoever. As you as you prepare for Shabbos, no matter where you are in this globe, make sure you have us on through the Nahum Siegel Network app, through NahumSiegel.com, through our listen line, whatever method you use to tune in, make sure you are listening to us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. So again, candlelighting 743, double Parsha, Shabbos Chazak, Mother's Day is Sunday. Make sure you know when things start where you are in terms of Shabbos. The 743 applies to the New York City area. And um, again, my thanks to Avrami for sitting in yesterday. As I was uh, recuperating, I thank him very, very much. And um, good to be back here live on a Friday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM, and guess what? Feel free to comment on the app. That's right. We've got a uh, we've got an option for you to be in touch with us. You could use the email address Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. That you could certainly do. Certainly use the email address. Uh, you could use the um, uh, you could use uh, you know any other method of direct communication. But one of the unique methods of communication is our NSN uh, NSN app, the Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. You can feel free to comment on the app. Uh, listener Yoni says, Rockets over Ramat Beit Shemesh. Wow. We have, been, uh, we have been hearing and reading about different areas of Israel, uh, Judea and Samaria, Tel Aviv, and many, many others. Uh, others that you would that you would expect on the list that have been under fire for the last few days, and uh, our uh, our attention, thank God, for those of us who care about our brothers and sisters in Israel, uh, our attention, thank God, has been uh, very much focused in the Holy Land, and we continue to pray for everybody's safety, and we continue to pray that our leaders in Israel can effectively stop the enemy from what they're doing, and hopefully uh, keep them in a state of stopped, keep them in a state of um, not wanting and not feeling it's worthwhile uh, to bombard Israel with uh, rocket fire again. So we will uh, continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel and for the leaders of Israel and for the leaders of the IDF and the Israeli military to do what is necessary against the enemy. Um, Sandy asks us to please keep in mind Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea for Rafuah Shlema. Again, that's Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea, and your help with that, of course, is greatly appreciated. And the listener Tikva um, is on the uh, is on the app from Israel and says Boker Tov Shabbat Shketa Shalom. That wish means, uh, in addition to uh, good morning, she says. Uh, a quiet and peaceful Shabbat. And yes, we certainly hope and pray that everybody in this world, but especially our brothers and sisters in Israel, have a quiet and peaceful Shabbat. JM and the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, with plenty more coming up as um, as we continue on this uh, Erev Shabbos Chazak. And... Um, this is uh, one of the selections from Shulam here at JM in the AM.
Shalom Ateret Bala Gam Besimcha Uvetzahola Tochemunei Am Segula Boi Boi Kalah 
Na 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 na
Shnagimalochim <laughs> Zo 
Maidayoin Machneses Malko Ushnagim Alochim Mevi'im Rez Habrocho Oyachem Lesholoi Baruchuni Lesholoi Vekim Baruch Lesholchon Avrami Roth with a piece entitled Zohar HaShabbos here at JM in the AM. Gershon Roba's classic Mimkomcha. Before that, you heard the Stamen family, brand new with the Eish Kodesh Nigun, Bowie Kala, done by Yisachar Dror. Shulam Lemmer. Avos Albanim opening up that set here at JM in the AM. Good morning. It's a Friday. My name is Nahum Siegel. Good to be here on a uh, Friday live from our New York City studio. My thanks to Avrami for taking over yesterday. Thanks, everybody, for your good wishes. Thank goodness the uh, foot surgery I had late Wednesday uh, went well, and uh, Baruch Hashem able to be at work today and bring you what is a, a very, very full radio broadcast. Both Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will be speaking about Bahar Buchu Kosai on this era of Shabbos Chazak. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Faye Zakheim with a very important event coming up. We'll speak with her in the 7 o'clock hour. Joey Bodner in the 8 o'clock hour. He's chairing an amazing concert coming up. Our good friend Joey will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. 
And, uh, of course, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting time in New York, 7.43 on this Arab Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Bechukosai. Again, 7.43 candle lighting time. In New York, make sure you know when things start where you are. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. A special happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Sunday is Mother's Day here in the U.S. I don't know about other places. Maybe, maybe some other countries have Mother's Day this Sunday as well. Uh, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We'll talk about our news from Israel, of course, coming up. Someone on the app just commented that rockets were over Gush Etzion this afternoon. We are thinking of our brothers and sisters in Israel. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. מבצע מגן וחץ, חיל האוויר תוקף בשעה זו ברצועת עזה בעקבות הירי בצהריים אל הרי ירושלים ויישובי העוטף. מדווח כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. צהל תוקף כעת ברצועה, מספר יעדים צבאיים של הג'יהאד האיסלאמי והצפויות תקיפות להימשך גם בשעות הקרובות. בשעה וחצי האחרונות אמנם נשמר השקט, אך לפני כשעתיים נשמעו הזקות באזור הרי ירושלים, שפלת יהודה, גוש עציון ובית שמש. שתי רקטות נורו מהרצועה לעבר האזור הזה, אחת יורתה באמצעות כיפת ברזל, והשנייה יורתה באמצעות מערכת קלע דוד, שזו הפעם השנייה שהיא מבצעת יירוט מבצעי מוצלח. כאמור, בתגובה לירי הזה, צהל ממשיך ותוקפת ברצועת עזה. הג'יהאד האיסלאמי חידש את האש וירה בשעות האחרונות מספר מטחים לעבר יישובי עוטף עזה, עם הפרטים כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. רקטה אחת פגעה בבית מגורים ביישוב במועצה האזורית שער הנגב, יש נזק לבית, הוא היה ריק, המשפחה שגרה בו נמצאת במקום מרוחק מהאזור. פגיעה נוספת של רציף מיירט נראתה בבית מגורים בשדרות, גם שם יש נזק מועט, המשפחה לא נראתה ולא נפגעה מהרציף הזה. בשאר המקומות יש רק נפילות בשטחים פתוחים או יירוטים, מבלי לגרום לנפגעים או לנזק. עד כאן. ישראל החליטה לעצור את המגעים להפסקת אש בעקבות הירי והעבירה מסר חריף לחמאס. מוסיף פרטים כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין. החיסולים האיכותיים שפוגעים בשורת הפיקוד של הג'יהאד האיסלאמי, אומר גורם מדיני, הם גם מסר לחמאס וארגוני טרור אחרים שמאיימים לפגוע בישראל, כך אותו גורם. מדובר בשינוי בטקטיקה בנקטה ישראל מתחילת המבצע, שביקשה להרחיק את החמאס מהסבב הנוכחי. למעשה כעת, בעקבות הערכות המצב שנערכו היום ואתמול, ישראל דורשת מהחמאס להפעיל את סמכותו ברצועה, לפעול לעתירת הג'יהאד האיסלאמי. מתאם פעולות הממשלה בשטחים, האלוף אסן עליאן העביר את המסר על עצירת המגעים למתווכים המצרים, לפיו ישראל לא מוכנה לדבר תוך כדי ירי. הזרוע הצבאית של הג'יהאד האיסלאמי מסרה הודעה לפני זמן קצר, הבטחנו וקיימנו, אין לנו קווים אדומים. פרשננו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מוסיף, כי בשעות הלילה והבוקר עדיין התנהל משא ומתן בין ישראל לג'יהאד באמצעות מתווכים, אולם ללא פריצת דרך. חשד לרצח כפול בנתניה, המשטחה, המשטרה פתחה לפני זמן קצר בחקירת מותם של אם ובנה שנמצאו ללא רוח חיים בדירתם בעיר. כוחות משטרה וכיבוי אש שהגיעו למקום פרצו לדירה בה אותרו השניים ללא רוח חיים. צוות מגן דוד אדום נאלץ לקבוע את מותם במקום. כתבתנו עדה שטייף מוסיפה ששוטרים ואנשי הזיהוי הפלילי אוספים ממצאים בזירה. 
בשעה זו נפתח דיון בבית משפט השלום בפתח תקווה בהארכת מעצרו של החשוד ברצח גרושתו הבוקר בראשון לציון. הנרצחת הייתה אמורה לחגוג היום את הולדתה החמישים וחמישה. מזג האוויר ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות בערים ובפנים הארץ. מחר בבוקר ייתכן טפטוף עד גשם מקומי קל בצפון הארץ ולאורך מישור החוף. אלה החדשות. Thank <laughs> you. 
נפשי, אוי אין אין וגם שמחה באין למשך. השוימר שבז, הבן עם הבז, לא כן ולא עצור, כמלך על מחבז. השוימר שבז, הבן עם הבז, לא כן ולא עצור, כמלך על מחבז. Shlomo Katz before that here at JM in the AM. Friday morning era of Shabbos on this 12th of May, day number 21 in the month of ER. The year is 5783, Tufshin Pei Gimel. Today is day number 36 in the counting of the Omer. It's five weeks in one day, day number 36. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Tzarev Shabbos Parshas, Bahar and Bechukosa, a double Parsha that closes out Sefer Vayikra. So tomorrow is Shabbos Chazak, or I should say tonight starts Shabbos Chazak. Keep that in mind. Candlelighting at 743 in New York, 743. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are, and certainly around the world, make sure you know when things start. And Sunday is Mother's Day here in the United States. We say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there from all of us here at JM in the AM. Harry Rothenberg's words are uh, presented with a refuah shlema to Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Here is Harry Rothenberg on this week's Parsha, JM in the AM. This week we learn the law that prohibits the setting up of a matseva, a stone pillar. It's a very curious law for a couple reasons. First of all, we know that Jacob, Yaakov, the patriarch, set up a matseva earlier in the Torah. It's recognized and seemingly applauded. So if he could set one up, why can't we? And second, we know we are allowed to set up and Mizbeach, an altar from which to worship God, bringing sacrifices and the like. The only difference between a matseva and a Mizbeach is the following. A matseva consists of one stone. A Mizbeach consists of multiple stones that we join together to form an altar. So let me get this straight. God, I really want to worship you, so I found this stone. I'm going to set it up as a pillar. Is that okay? Absolutely not. Totally prohibited. Don't do it. Um, okay, suppose I gather several stones together and I join them into an altar. Is that okay? Absolutely, that's wonderful as long as it's done in the temple. What is the difference between one stone and many stones? 
One commentator explains the following. Back in the day since creation, God was worshiped based on his mastery over nature and what he had done for us throughout history. So it was perfectly appropriate to make a matzeva like Yaakov did, using one stone. One stone comes from creation. God created one stone. But once the Torah was given, it was as if God was telling us, I no longer want you to worship me based on what I've done for you. From now on, I want you to worship me based on what you've done for me. Show me that you've observed the commandments. So now one stone, an object from creation, is no longer appropriate. And so symbolically, we only serve from an altar, a mizbeach that's made up of many stones because many stones requires human intervention. And that answers another question. Last week, I had the privilege to teach a group of incredible Jewish fathers in Israel. And on Shabbat for the third meal, we were invited to our hosts who owned an incredible home, the rooftop of which overlooks Harabias, the Temple Mount. So we were able to gaze at the Temple Mount. Gaze at the Temple Mount. We couldn't have walked down there and walked onto it because it's still holy. But contrast that with the following. Had we or anyone gone to Harsinai, to Mount Sinai, no problem. You could walk on it, you could have a picnic, you could ride a Jeep over it. I don't get it. Why is the site of the Temple Mount, where there's no temple anymore, still holy, but Harsinai, where God gave us the Torah, is not? And the answer is, because when the Torah was given, we sat back. We were spectators. We watched as God did his thing. But when it came to the temples, we built them. And because we acted, that ground is still hallowed. It still has holiness. The takeaway is obvious. Our job in this world is not to sit on our couches, wait for holiness to happen, and then applaud it when it does. Our job is to get up off of our couches and make holiness happen. Take the physical and raise it to the level of the spiritual. is the fate of all mankind. No one can avoid the bustle and the grind. Rushing to meetings, closing the deal, on the phone, on the road, buying, selling, spinning wheels. It's easy to lose balance, chasing money and success. But there's a special treasure with which we have been blessed. And as each day passes, joy fills the air. Waiting for the moment to stand up and declare. Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. For six days every week We work hard and struggle Just to make ends meet But once out of seven We all become kings Who greet Shabbos Amalco By rising up to sing Baruch Hashem 
I'm so stressed at work when I hear the boss I jump to shuffle go to school I'm always parking by a pump but all of the worry goes down the drain when my wife and children join me in singing very
JM in the AM on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Moshe Klein with Bowie Kala before that journeys with Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM on day number 36 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's day number 36. Candle lighting at 743 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mother's Day being observed in the United States. And according to one of our listeners on the app, being observed in Australia as well <laughs> this coming Sunday. Dr. Fagy Zakheim is with us live via telephone. The United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk has another amazing Rebitson's networking seminar happening this coming Wednesday, the 17th of May, starting at 1130 in the morning at a Terrace Matalea Hall, which is at the Manhattan Beach Jewish Center on West End Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. The title is Thriving with Anxiety in Relationships. Both Slovy Jungreis Wolf and Dr. David Ross Marin are going to be presenting. Uh, information 917-748-4679, 917-748-4679. And with more details, the um, uh, chair, the, uh, the, um, uh, a chair of the United Task Force, Dr. Fagi Zakheim, is with us live via telephone. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. I love waking up to your voice every morning. <laughs> There's like no way whether I get three hours of sleep or whether I get 10 hours of sleep. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I hear your voice and I am like alive and ready to go. Well, you have the best voice in the world. That's, I love it. That's You're much great. That's much appreciated. <laughs> I am told that this event is yet another amazing and incredible event for Rebitsons everywhere to get together this time in Brooklyn, New York, and really tackle a very important issue. Tell us what's happening this coming Wednesday. Okay, let me first tell you that this is really not just another event. This one is crazy. Let me tell you what's going on. First of all, you said it's at the Manhattan Beach Jewish Center. Let's right. start with that one. It is at the old Manhattan Beach Jewish Center, but you don't know what happened at the Manhattan Beach Jewish Center. You know the organization Chazdei Leiv that sure. does the food before Pesach for sure. Rebbeim? Sure. Well, they got together and they created a hall right here in our borough in Manhattan Beach for Rebbe's, rabbis, to make a wedding that is a stunning wedding, incredible. And they created this stunning hall. I was at their first wedding on Wednesday night this week. Rabbi Grossman made a wedding from Woodridge. The wedding is gorgeous. Michael Schick is the exclusive caterer. The building was designed by this incredible designer, Abigail Eisenstadt, the group that put the building together. I mean, they are literally tzaddikim. I It was as though I was walking into the Waldorf Astoria and better. Wow. It's gorgeous. The food is amazing. And the place is huge. It, they are getting so many requests for weddings. And the price is like for people who don't want to make weddings and spend a million dollars on a wedding. For money that can go to a lot of other better things. Right. I just wanted to start with that. The location is a really beautiful location because of the fact that it's at this mitzvah place that does not do events. They only do weddings. They're doing this for us as a special favor because it is Rebitsons that are coming. It's for the honor of the Rebitsons. I, I wanted to preface it by saying that before we even talk about the conference. Well, that's really so cool. and that's really cool, and obviously people who come will be able to see what you're referring to and check out one of the uh, most amazing uh, stucca-slash-beautiful places that people can go and make a wedding. Amazing. Okay, second part. The second part is that the topic is awesome. 
because as Dr. Zakharin, right, from that, from that hat, the fact that people have anxiety, people think, oh, it's the most terrible thing in the whole world, anxiety, I need medication, I need to go for help. This topic, Dr. Rosemarin is coming in from Boston, Dr. Rosemarin, who is head of the Center for Anxiety, the most amazing, brilliant Harvard graduate from Zhou, amazing person, is going to talk about thriving with anxiety. In other words, anxiety can be used in a very positive way. I really believe that most people who are very successful, <laughs> the reason they're successful is because they thrive off of their anxiety. And I'm, I think the topic is going to be incredible. I can't wait to hear him. Well, this is a real revolutionary statement that you just brought to us. <laughs> anxiety can be used in a very positive way. And if that is going to be one of the outcomes of this coming Wednesday, then this is uh, certainly a very worthwhile event anxiety is uh, seems to be seeping into everybody's lives it can, if it can be used in a positive manner especially in relationships that would be uh, pretty amazing uh in addition dr ross marin you have slovi young wolf who's a noted teacher author relationships and parenting lecturer who's also going to be addressing this issue well it's too, what we do is since it's the rebbitsons we bring them the very height of the best mental health speaker in this particular topic, and that's Dr. Rosemary, and it's his Center for Anxiety, and he's coming in from Boston. That's a huge, big deal. He's so excited about it. And the second part is that since it's Revitons, we need to speak to them from a very spiritual perspective. They are holy Revitons. You walk into that room, and you literally feel like it's 40 feet off the ground. The Revitons that come are amazing. Revitson Reisman, of course, is there, because she's the one who started this whole, this whole Revitons idea for the task force. Reverend, oh, Reverend Malcolm Feinstein comes. Reverend Leah Cohn comes. Uh, we have Hasidish Rebitsons coming. We have Rebitsons from Queens. We have Rebitsons from Borough Park. We have Rebitsons from Muncie. The room is un unbelievable. Reverend Hillel David's wife, Luma David, she comes. I mean, I, the list is like so amazing that every Rebitson there to be the highlight of the whole thing. And I know a lot of the Rebitsons uh, in New Jersey heard about it years ago from us right here on the uh, radio show, and you, you've been able to expand to them as well. So you really have people coming from all over to participate, which is really beautiful. Which is really beautiful. And the fact that Slavy Youngrice is coming, Rebitson Youngrice's daughter, our Rebitson Youngrice, is there anybody that affected our lives more, Nachum, than Rebitson Youngrice? And her daughter just has picked it up, and she's, she's brilliant, smart, warm. Everybody loves her. So it's, it's just going to be an amazing – it's a lunch. It's from 11.30 to 2.30. Michael Schick Catering. What's, get, what's better than Michael Schick Catering? And there's valet parking. Everything is just – this is just going to be the most amazing, amazing day. I can't wait for it to happen already. There's an abundance of people that are registering for it. A lot. We have a lot. But we're going to be able to fit everybody in because the place is big. Um, I'm just excited, Nakhil. I'm super excited. I want to add one thing that I saw in the uh, in the announcement uh, that you made uh, about the event, and um, that is, you know, we had high hopes. Uh, when Councilwoman Vernikoff was elected in Brooklyn, New York, we had high hopes in terms of her coming through for our community. And uh, with this event, and I, I'm sure you could tell us about a million other cases, she has done just that. So big kudos to her, and I'm sure you want to recognize her this morning as well. That was going to be the highlight of our talk. Ina Vernikoff is an amazing woman. She is smart. 
She is so pro-Jewish. She is so anti against anti-Semitism. She is so not afraid. You know she's a lawyer. Yep. You know she's an Orthodox Jew. This woman, and she's beautiful. She, she loves coming to these events. She is so looking forward to meeting the Rebbitsons. We're honoring her, of course, with a plaque. My whole executive committee is going to be there, uh, including Dr. Rosenshine, including Rabbi Becker from the Aguda, including Baruch Ber Bender from Achiezer, Dr. Schindler from Rambam, and of course my partner in crime, Dr. Hindi Klein, is going to be there from Ohel. It's just an amazing, everybody is just so excited that everybody wants to come. It's for Revitons only. That's a very important part. And I want to say a very major special thank you to the committee that has been working on this, making the phone calls, and their names that you'll recognize. It's over and over again that these people just want to do so much for the class. I want to say thank you to Rahama Klapman from Mass. I want to say thank you to Lady Edelbaum from the Aguda, Shana Friedman from Shalom Task Force, and Revitin Shulman, Esti Shulman, and Hannah Ginsberg from Met, from Met Council. These are all amazing people, and it's such an honor to be working together. We all feel the same way. We all feel that it's an honor for all of us to be together. Well, it's going to be quite an event, and everybody out there, if you're a Rebitson, again, as uh, Dr. Zakheim has reiterated, if you're a Rebitson, you are invited to participate and come be part of it. The United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk uh, presents the Rebitson's Networking Seminar, Thriving with Anxiety in Relationships. Slovy Jungreis Wolf, Dr. David Ross Marin, they both will be presenting this coming Wednesday, starting at 1130. There'll be a gala luncheon catered by my Schick. It's happening at the uh, Ateras Matalea Hall, which is at the Manhattan Beach Jewish Center. Brand new, as you heard Fagy describe, at 60 West End Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. There's valet parking available. You must RSVP. And while we can't go through all the agencies, because there's like 40 or 50 agencies that are part of the United Task Force, uh, we do recognize, as Fagy did a few minutes ago, the United Task Force Executive Committee, uh, who are led by some of the great people in our community uh, with some wonderful organizations. So a big thank you to to them and to all the agencies who are part of it. Uh, again, the you must RSVP, uh, Rebitson's out there, for Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. in Brooklyn, 917-748-4679. Again, 917-748-4679, or feel free to use the email address. It's United Task Force 2, as in number 2, United Task Force 2 at gmail.com. Dr. Zakheim, anything you'd like to add? I just want to say an especially special thank you to you, Nachum, for always being there for us, and a special thank you to Dr. Joel Rosenshine, because really this is the brainchild of Dr. Rosenshine. He is there with us for every single meeting. He leads the way. He is such an incredible person, and Hashem should just continue to bless him and bless us with his wisdom. So I just want to say all of the agencies on the task force, there's over 40. We're going to talk about every single one of them at the conference. And we're all very excited to greet the Rebitsons, and we are very honored that these Rebitsons are interested in talking about mental health issues. They sit around, they talk with each other, and the topic is major. This topic of anxiety is a very major, major topic, and it's going to be given a positive slope. So that's very important. So, Nachum, thank you so much. A pleasure. And those of you out there who are um, who may suspect that the Rebitson of your shul is not listening right now, you can recommend to them that they should call and get their reservation in at 917-748-4679 for this coming Wednesday. Dr. Zakheim, good luck with the event this Wednesday. 
Thank you so much, Nachum. Thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for being there for us. A pleasure. Have a great Shabbos. Dr. Fagi Zakheim, of course, is the chair of the United Task Force, and uh, as you see and as you hear, yet another very important event happening this time on Wednesday in Brooklyn, New York, the Rebitson's Networking Seminar. More coming up. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki. That's Bar Shabbos. And our condolences, of course, again to Yaakov and his entire family and the loss of his mother from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning broadcast, Arab Shabbos, Parashas Bahar and Muchu Kosai. Uh, we will wrap up the book of Ayikra at Shabbos Chazak, candle lighting at 743 on this Arab Shabbos. Did I say 34 before? I hope not. But I don't know why I think I may have. Anyway, in New York, 743 is candlelighting time. 743. Yeah, I guess it's better to mis- make the mistake that way. That's true. 743 candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Bahar Mechukosai. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Malcolm Holmline, weekly update coming up here at JM&AM. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. I want to again call everybody's attention to our partnership with 24-6. 24-6, at 24-S-I-X, is a kosher entertainment platform with music, video, and podcasts. Perfect for your uh, iPhone or Android. And um, uh, the, right now, the 24-6 family player is available if you order it. And use promo code radio, you get a $60 discount. $60 off when you purchase it at 246. That's 24six.app slash register. 24six.app slash register. Many families have been hoping that there would be some type of on demand music service in the Jewish world that would not in any way uh, go ahead and. Uh, and um, tangentially go to other types of music streams or other types of entertainment platforms. And finally, it's here with 24.6. That's 24six.app slash register. Again, take $60 off when you use promo code radio. And um, go ahead, and those of you out there who have been waiting for a good choice when it comes to a music platform uh, that's kosher and usable for everybody in the family without any problem, uh, it is finally here, go to 246.app slash register, 246.app slash register. More coming up. It's JM in the AM weekly update and more on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with the most Shav band. Bowie, the name of that one. Friday morning, era of Shabbos on day 36 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Candlelighting in New York, 743 on this era of Shabbos. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 743 official candlelighting in New York. On this era of Shabbos, Parsha's Bahar and Bechukosai. It is a double Parsha. We wrap up the book of Ayikra. It is, in fact, Shabbos Chazak. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there as we observe Mother's Day here in the United States of America. Uh, don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Again, jewishworldreview.com. A great resource with thousands of articles that you can print out before Shabbos and get up to date on what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world. Check out jewishworldreview.com. And enjoy. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Appreciate Even that. Though I'm broadcasting from Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. Where, where we are celebrating the wedding of my granddaughter, Leah Honline, to a Brummy Garten House. So we should all have simchas, even in a very difficult time. Amen. And mazal tov. And we will add Baltimore to the list of remote NSN studios that are being made available constantly around the world. Uh, so we're in the midst of, uh, well, not we, but our brothers and sisters in Israel in the midst of Operation Shield and Arrow. Uh, there have been many episodes, we've discussed them on the air, in recent weeks and months of the enemy uh, showering rockets upon Israel. Why did Israel and its government decide to respond in this way with an official Operation Shield and Arrow um, at this time around and to really take matters into their own hands as opposed to uh, what they've done in the past very often, which was, you know, just wait and see what the enemy would do. Why this week and why this operation, Malcolm? Well, as you recall, it began under the pretext of the death of the Palestinian terrorist hunger striker who uh, was warned constantly uh, about the, the danger he was in, refused food, and uh, as have others, and they've used, used it as leverage to get early releases of uh, key terrorists who 
almost inevitably end up being recidivists. So the the Palestinian Islamic Jihad launched the attacks, if you remember, on Stay Road, but they hit civilian populations. Often, mm. and we've discussed it, many of the times the rockets are fired as a demonstration for the for their followers and the people of Gaza that they are the ones out there responding, but they fire into isolated areas where most of them do no damage. Here, they hit uh, homes in Stay Road, and they targeted populations, uh, civilian populations, and Israel had no option uh, but to respond and to indicate clearly to Islam Jihad that this would not be tolerated. Now, remember, this is not Hamas. And even in the last few hours, they Israel has um, reaffirmed that they believe this is only Islamic Jihad and Hamas issued statements saying that if they are targeted, they will respond in even greater, much greater numbers, and they have a greater capacity than Islamic Jihad. But I think people are surprised by the ability of Islamic Jihad to fire more than 800 rockets, that they even fired the very large one that did uh, considerable damage, including killing uh, one person, the only fatality so far, thank God. Um, but also wounding many others and, and endangering the structure of the building in Rehovot. And we're even seeing attacks now in the, against Jerusalem, against Gusech Sion, uh, very limited. But the fact that they um, can show that they have the long-range capacity, it's something you know we've talked about where I talked about how they've improved their capacity. It's Iran, obviously, behind them, providing them the technical know-how, even perhaps the equipment as they are in an even greater way to Hezbollah and to uh, and Hamas has a, a, a greater capacity. And so the the initial motivation was a response to the attack on State Road. It escalated with the, with the Islamic Jihad's uh, responses. Uh, it shows the, the breadth of their capacity, that they're just not a minor player in Gaza. And Israel had to try to eliminate as much as possible this threat. Uh, the the uh, negotiations with Egypt are called off through Egypt's uh, facilities uh, because this is a situation once once there was fatality and the increasing attacks on civilian populations in everywhere, even one came near Bat Ayan and uh, many other places in, in the north uh, or center of Israel. Uh, shows uh, that Israel has to continue its efforts, and today they they, they attacked the homes of other uh, pitch leaders, and they've eliminated, as you know, the head of the rocket division yesterday and the deputy head of the rocket division who were responsible for the onslaught, uh, directing it at least, uh, and they've targeted uh, other of the leadership. You have to cut off the head of the snake. They have to, uh, I think, now uh, really do such a, a com- comprehensive damage to the infrastructure of Islamic Jihad that they won't be facing it a week from now. The um, um, Okay, so you've reiterated what we've always suspected because we've discussed that Hamas dominates Gaza. So Islamic Jihad has a geographic position in Gaza. Is Israel able to target them because they have a specific area that they dominate as opposed to Hamas? What is the situation there um, that Islamic Jihad literally could be targeted and and the other enemy or the rest of the enemies can be avoided? And the much larger enemy, 
uh, Hamas is, is um, much bigger infrastructure, but they they don't want a war in the same reason, way. Hezbollah did not get involved. If you remember all the predictions of people saying, you know, that if there's a thing, that, uh, any kind of a conflict, uh, uh, Hezbollah will jump in, that uh, Iran's foreign minister said it from Lebanon. Right, but that was but that it. was a multi-front uh, projection. Right, so I'm just saying that, and, and Raisi said it last week from Syria, and yet when this front opened up, none of the other fronts uh, responded to it and started attacking Israel, which many people had anticipated because they know what damage and what price they will pay. And people Lebanon don't want it. The I don't think Iran wants to see, Iran wants to see all of that infrastructure that, and investment it made destroyed because Israel will have to uh, go in and, and do what they didn't do the last time in the war in Lebanon when Hezbollah wasn't part of the government or the government. Um, and my point is that the others did not join in in attacks, not the Houthis, not the, the other uh, parts of the axis of resistance, as the Iranians call it. So the Palestinian Islamic Jihad has on its own been able to put up a formidable display of, of power, uh, launching the rockets. And remember, every time the Iron Dome is uh, fired, it costs Israel a fortune. It's worth it to save lives and necessary. Uh, David Sling was, uh, was introduced in this one. So the, the response is to try to limit it to Palestinian Islamic Jihad, do as much damage to them. It's something that Hamas wants to see as well, because Palestinian Islamic Jihad is a challenge to them, also within Gaza. Uh, are they in a, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Are they in a better geographic position to hit Tel Aviv, for instance? It's not a geographic. It's not geographic. They are, they are, they are intertwined. Right. They're everywhere in, and they have outposts. And, and remember, you know, many of the launches of the mortars and others don't take big bases from which to fire. Right. You can do it from a firing pad. Right. And so they can run in, set it up, shoot and, and leave. Now, uh, with the with the larger missile, that's not the case. And it's scary to see that uh, they could fire it and, and did fire it. And do very uh, great damage. So, so Hamas staying out of it tells us that the last time Israel went after Hamas, they must have done a really good job because Hamas never really turns down an opportunity to participate in showering rockets over Israel, right? Right, and also it's a it's a statement to their followers that they are still the major front, which means to me. And there's only my speculation. The people of Gaza don't want this. They don't want all this destruction coming down on them because of the adventurism of, of Palestinian Islam Jihad. And as you know, the the uh, like in, in the north, the, the rockets are installed in people's homes. In in southern Lebanon, for instance, uh, you know they say there's a living room, dining room, and a rocket room in virtually every house. Yeah. And the and therefore. When people ask me why Israel can't detect it, just can't do it, because, you know, a lot of these launches are, are places that are, are invisible until they actually do the launch. Uh, but for your question, it's not geographically isolated. It's not a question of a divided country where Islam Jihad has its areas. They have their headquarters. They have facilities. But it's not a separate areas. And we should assume that until now, Israel has not given them the body of Qadar Adran, and they likely will not give them his body. We should assume that, right? Not under these conditions. And as you know, the families are still demanding, and the people of Israel and the government of Israel, and we all demanding the return of uh, the bodies uh, 
including Hadar Golden and the two young uh, people who, the men who've been held for so long uh, that if they don't return it, nothing should be returned to them. And this is a, a growing chorus in Israel of people who understand. I mean, it's the, it's the leverage that they have with them, but they don't care. It's not. There's no humanitarian aspect like Israel. Every Israeli knows names and and advocates for the return and uh, would sacrifice even for the return. But it, it's not true on the other side. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad leadership doesn't. They care whether their people suffer. And, and to bring all this destruction on them because they think they're immune. Now Israel is showing that they're not immune to it and that their houses come under attack and that that is the way to bring the message home clearly and forcefully. Should we assume that Islamic Jihad is going to run out of rocket power soon or we should not make that assumption? Well, that's a very good question, how they had uh, the stockpiling, but we know that there are tens of thousands of rockets in Gaza most of them under the control of Hamas. But it doesn't take much for many of the rockets are very simple and very cheap for them to assemble and fire. Some of the ones that we're seeing now are more sophisticated, have a longer range, bigger payload. And uh, it can't be that they have an endless supply, but clearly they've gotten the technology from and, and assistance from Iran, which we've reported on for years. Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, people just take it already so ho-hum that it's it's a normal course of events that this is going on. Now we see how uh, how dangerous it is, and maybe the world will, though unlikely, come to some sort of an understanding of what Israel faces. And they all love to see Israel's the laboratory because Israel tests all this equipment, which the United States benefits from, and improve their aircraft and all the avionics and stuff that the United States benefits and so do others. Uh, and you have not seen uh, a mobilization. The United States and UK prevented a resolution against Israel at the um, United Nations. And both uh, leaders of both countries said uh, publicly that Israel has the right to defend itself. The U.S. military people and, and officials, UK officials, it would be nice if others would as well, <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> you know, to hear from them. <laughs> but uh, but but you don't see, except the, the media continues, it's one-sided coverage. It's uh, almost uh, irrational portrayal of, of what's going on. It's something we become almost inured to. We get used to it and accept it, but we shouldn't. When they say, you know, uh, talk about Israel's responses without talking about the the initiation and then talk about a Palestinian who died in Israeli captivity without saying that it's a terrorist who killed people who who was on a hunger strike that Israel tried to dissuade them from. I mean, it's just so distorted and misrepresented. And, of course, the, you know, the, the damage and the terror wrought on Israel. And, you know, many of the people hospitalized, it's not because they get hit, it's the terror shock. And anybody can imagine what it must be like when a bomb explodes uh, right near one of the ministers who was visiting in this neighborhood and it landed 50 feet away. And uh, I was in a circumstance once when we visited Gaza during a, a visit at State Road uh, while there was an assault from Gaza, and I was standing there talking to, to some of the officials and, and some of our people, and the siren went off. But, you know, if you're not attuned to it, 
it wasn't something we would naturally react to immediately. It sounded like a subway announcement, you know, and I wasn't even clear what they were saying. And all of a sudden, two guys lifted me up, literally, and carried me down to a, a shelter, you know, uh, pushing me towards it. And and literally, within three minutes, a rocket hit exactly where we were standing. And I'm telling you, I understand why those people go into shock. So when you read it, this is not just somebody going, wow, look at that, or getting afraid. This has it, it has it, that's why it's called terrorism, because of the terror that, and what it does to societies and how it disrupts daily life and the impact on the children who are again living in bunkers, you know, and having to have a minute, two minutes, three minutes. Thank God the early warning systems are more effective. But try and think of what it would be like if you would have to, that every time you walk on the street, you have to know where the next uh, bomb shelter is. Yeah. In the Rehovot situation, apparently it was an Iron Dome malfunction. I, I say it that way because it reminds us how, thank God, 99% of the time it's effective and literally prevents people from getting... But, but it was not a malfunction. It was not, it turns out, a malfunction of Iron Dome. Oh, I thought I read it was. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that- I know. The first the first report's exactly right. And, and there are people who are trying to, to diminish. It is true there were some problems in the initial days with um, the uh, hit rate of Iron Dome, it was like 75%, usually it's in the 90s. It is much higher, but they said in this case, it was not a malfunction of it. Now, it could be that they had wrong coordinates, it could be a lot of things that go into it, uh, but frankly, I, I don't want the enemy to, to believe that Iron Dome doesn't really work as well as everybody said, <clears throat> it, and, and in fact it does, it's not saying we're covering up for it, it is a fact that it does work, and it, 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 it was not a, a malfunction. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and MalcolmSingle.com, and the MalcolmSingle Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Homeline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So with all the ceasefire talk... Um, and you know that you know ha- half of the reports in the Middle East in situations like this are rockets and reaction, uh, or rockets and you know news of damage, and the other half is you know the potential ceasefire. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like we're anywhere close to a ceasefire at this point. We are not. The talks were called off. Egypt, as you know, acts as a mediator, and, uh, and which Israel appreciates, and we all appreciate the, the role that they're playing, and. Uh, and the role also to keep um, uh, Hamas out of it. The um, but right now all the talks are off, especially after the as I said the rockets aimed at Jerusalem and Gush Etzion and, and elsewhere. Israel can't now sit and, and and talk to them and say we're going to negotiate. They have to again, I think, really inflict as the maximal damage with minimal uh, attendant casualties. But it's inevitable in a, in a, a war situation brought upon Israel that Israel defends itself, and if there are civilian casualties. It's the price that the blame should be squarely on Islamic Jihad. Yeah. Uh, well, this has certainly taken some issues out of the headlines, huh? <laughs> That's true. A lot but less. The demonstration is supposedly continuing tomorrow night, uh, which is really uh, says to me that it's, it's unfathomable that they would continue. But it shows that the agenda is, it goes beyond just the judicial reform issue. When when Israel's under assault like this, no effort, nothing should be done that diverts the police or military or anybody else away from the central focus 
and God forbid the uh, rockets could be falling on, on them. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. By the way, um, I only saw this in one from one source, but I, I would imagine based on the source that it is, that it's actually true. The IDF apologized for the death of uh, Shirin Abu Akleh. Today is the first anniversary, I think, uh, for, of uh, uh, her death. And there was the first apology issued. Um, so their conclusion is that she may have died, but it was accidental. Nobody, it was nothing, uh, it was not intentional. That's a conclusion the United States investigation has come to as well, I understand. But certainly the conclusion the Israelis came to. And apparently some media uh, outlets uh, were performing their own investigation into this whole case. Everybody's so, investigating you and everybody. So essentially the IDF has apologized for the accidental, the, for her accidental death. Right. And, I, and I assume they felt it was, I mean, look, with Israel, not to be too cynical about, uh, you know, Israel's benevolence. We, we know that they operate in a much higher stand, you know, moral standard than, than any other country. So, you know, I'm not minimizing that. But I also, uh, well, I assume they want to, they want to um, bring across a message that if you're a journalist in Israel, you know, essentially you're safe, and you know, no one, no one from the IDF is targeting you, right? I assume that's the bigger message here. That essentially is the message and the reason for issuing it. Um, I mean, journalists are safe there. That's why you have uh, more per capita than place, you know, any other place. And it's because, you know, in many of the other Arab capitals, they don't feel free to be able to report and to say what they want to say. Of course, they can in Israel. And uh, uh, so I assume this was uh, that kind of uh, the intention of the message was that. Erdogan has a much tougher time this coming Sunday with the election because one of his opponents has dropped out. And he was assuming that a couple of those opponents, including the one who dropped out, would be splitting the vote, right? That is exactly right, and this is a, an interesting issue. I met yesterday with some uh, both people from Turkey and official, uh, and frankly, they all say to me it's 50-50 now. They have no idea what the outcome will be, and you never know what, frankly, Erdogan will do. Will he accept it? If, if nobody gets 50%, which was more likely, as you said before, the dropout of the of a lesser candidate, right. not the major um but uh, if neither of them gets a clear 50% majority, then they go to a runoff in two weeks. And, you know, the sense is that uh, Erdogan has the ability to control, to object, to reject, to deny the outcome of, of the election if, if he doesn't win. Unless it's a, if it's a very significant victory, I was told, let's say it's a 56% vote, he will not be able to... Um, deny the outcome. I mean, and and you could likely have, you know, very strong reactions domestically. You know, the economic conditions are terrible. The post um, earthquake impact is still reverberating. And remember that they they admit to fifty thousand deaths, but the most likely estimates go to a hundred thousand or more. And the, the handling of it, uh, people are very critical of Erdogan's handling of it. And the fact you have a coalescence of these parties, uh, the opposition parties behind a candidate who's not a very uh, impactful uh, individual, but it's the it's the coalescence of the groups as an opposition to um, to President er Erdogan, 
and we'll have to see whether that. It, it, but you, you know, he also built a sort of coalition, including the Hezbollah party, oh, wow. which he says is a peaceful party and not uh, not not to be associated with terrorist uh, Hezbollah. But obviously, they hold the same views, and, and but they and they are less than one tenth of one percent. So don't add anything. He wanted to build a coalition because the other side had a coalition. I mean, what world leader would deny election results? Come on. It's impossible to think of it, but it's, uh, it I mean, does. Certainly not on this side of the world, right? I mean, come on. It would never happen. Yeah. Um, the, you got to – it's funny. I was wondering how to ask you this question, where to start from with this question. I didn't know if I should start with Bernie. I didn't know if I should start with uh, with the with the House of Representatives. You know what? I, I, I'm going to ask you to just tell it to us from the beginning. What was the story with Congresswoman Tlaib and her desire to hold a Nakba event, which of course is pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel? Yeah, Nakba means the, the disaster, which is the, the creation of the State of Israel. And she uh, asked for a room in the uh, reserved a room in the House of Representatives, of which she's a member, to hold a Nakba event. And Speaker McCarthy um, uh, found out about it. And because he controls the use of the rooms, he rejected it and repurposed the room for another uh, occasion or something. But essentially, he just was vetoing that event. And there was some criticism of it, you know, that we're denying free speech and stuff. And he said, look, we have an ally. It's under siege that this is, uh, we're not going to use this to praise terrorists and, and uh, you know, those who want to destroy the state of Israel. And then Bernie Sanders in the Senate arranged a room instead for them to hold it. And they held the event, obviously did not get much play, um, but, uh, you know, that it was, I think, and I hope people have let Mr. McCarthy know, Representative McCarthy know, uh, that uh, they appreciated what, what he did and his intent and the solidarity. And, you know, he just visited Israel with a rather large bipartisan delegation and made amazing uh, remarks, including a speech at the Knesset, where he thanked Israel for the miracle of Israel, for what they've done and the sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera. Very moving speech which people should read wow you're not even emphasizing the whole bernie angle i guess i guess you feel i that, did it, yeah it, i said no but i I'm, mean what are you going to do it's that's not a surprise I'm, that no, bernie I, sanders would do it I, you, you exactly <laughs> that's that, but that's <laughs> the just, point that's the point normally yeah. we would sit here lamenting the fact that a jewish member of the united states senate has gone ahead and you know and hosted a nakba event here, you know, what would you expect from someone like him? That's quite a, you know, that's quite a statement about him, frankly. Not well, that it's yesterday a... I was in the House and for the Jewish Her American, in the Senate, rather, Jewish American Heritage Week commemoration uh, put on by Ezra Friedlander and his group. Uh, but we had a parade of senators and members of Congress, some of whom are not known for their outspoken friendship, uh, who lined up and many senators, maybe 20 of them, came and spoke and spoke about the uh, Jewish heritage and the importance in fighting anti-Semitism. Uh, and um, uh, some, of course, spoke about Israel. Uh, and I think, you know, we shouldn't let the, the, these, these people become the image of the Congress, the, the Talebs and others. We have to fight them. We have to oppose uh, them in their elections and, and continue to support opponents who, who hold different views. 
but it's uh, you know it's a recognition of reality. And Betty McCollum uh, also introduced some resolution now, uh, anti-zero resolution. There are a limited number of people, but they're there. They're very vocal, and they uh, they get support, financial support, obviously, uh, for their campaigns because of their anti-zero positions. Um, if uh, McCarthy controls the rooms and the locations in the United States House, does the vice president of the United States control the rooms in the Senate or every committee head, as Sanders is, was able to do whatever they want with hosting an event? I, I don't know what the rules are in particular. I haven't had a chance to check because the criticism that I heard yesterday was directed at Chuck Schumer as the speaker that he would, uh, as the majority leader, would have control over facilities i don't know that that's true wow we gotta find that that's interesting so that's very interesting i mean but but some of the criticism was directed at him and the other leadership saying that they should have stopped and not i i don't i doubt very much that uh, they have the capacity to stop a senator who who has you know they have committee chairs right Right, yeah. So I think, I think that's host, yeah. I think he was hosting it as a committee chair. I mean, look, the chutzpah. You know what the chutzpah is. You know, again, as you say, it's a minority in the United States House, and representatives generally are uh, pro-Israel, and we get all that, and it's wonderful to hear. But the chutzpah here is that it's, it's just not. It's not a. If you want to run a pro-Palestinian event or you know show support for the Palestinian people, as she so often wants to do, it's one thing. But this day, this commemoration is literally an anti-Israel commemoration. That's where you know the whole thing becomes even more outrageous. And during the conflict where you don't hear those people having anything to say in defense of Israel, although the House and others, most members in the Senate and the House have been very supportive. And uh, we had Hakim Jeffries led led a delegation to Israel as well. His remarks were very strong there. So and, and I think in general, the atmosphere, what I saw from the members I spoke to, uh, are very supportive of Israel, very concerned about, uh, and they know that this is Iran, and this is, you know, it's a proxy battle for the United States as well. This yeah. is not against the Israel alone. It's it's the war of Iran against the West, against America, against uh, Israel, against some of the Arab countries who can't look at this, uh, you know, with indifference. If we if we saw them covering their options. So to speak, by by uh, you know establishing diplomatic ties and with Iran, when they look at this and see this capacity and see what infrastructure exists around the region, uh, which Iran increasingly controls with and the alliance with China, Russia, and the, all the developments on that, which again get uh, so limited coverage that people don't understand. I had a chance to talk to uh, somebody yesterday who, and you know how often I've spoken about what the changes in South America and the warnings. Yep. I talked to a top military person, U.S. military person, and when you hear their account, they're completely consistent with this about the, the Iranian uh, network and, and influence and expanding uh, capacity and, and limited responses and indications from America. We just have to show our allies that we're there, that we stand with them. You know, they, they don't forget that the, there was no response to some of the assaults, whether it's Saudi Arabia and others, when people always want an explanation why Saudi Arabia doing this or that. Just look at the history and and some of the messages that they feel they've gotten. And not to justify it, I think it's it is a mistake. Right, for them of to course. Do it. Uh, finally, what can you tell us about the synagogue attack in Tunisia? So this is in the island of Jerba, where Jews have lived 
maybe from the time of the Churban Bayis Rishon, some say, but certainly Churban Bayis Sheni, from the destruction of the temple, Jews have uh, you know spread in the Mediterranean to many different places where they had communities in Jerba. Uh, Tunisia had a large Jewish population, most left, but the community in Jerba remained. There's still 1,100 Jews living there permanently on the island, but the population was 10,000 or 15,000. But they have annually on Lagba Omer uh, a big celebration, which came under assault in the past. And uh, we had attacks on some synagogues in Tunisia in the past terrorists. You know, they, they, they did control the government and, and uh, the government today. There's a lot of criticism because the president made a speech, but no, no reference to the Jews, no reference uh, to, to what really happened. And what we know is that one of the guards who had been hired, uh, who, guard who was hiring, who was hired by the Naval Protection, um, uh, opened fire, killing one of the other guards. <laughs> and the security was provided for this. There were lots of people there. They came, hundreds came from Israel. Uh, and of course, the population of Jerba itself. This, the Lagbomer thing is a very big annual commemoration uh, held there, uh, and there are historic reasons tied to Shimon Bar Yochai that um, that uh, the, the German Jews um, hold this commemoration. And uh, unfortunately, two Israelis, um, one living in France, one from Israel, were uh, cousins were killed. Uh, several people were injured. Uh, hopefully, they will recover. But the fact that the president wouldn't be explicit in his condemnation and, and expression about what took place. Uh, uh, angered people. There were some subsequent statements by other officials, and they did declare it a terrorist attack. And I'm sure they'll find that this, it's not the guy wasn't isolated, uh, as is usually the case, even if he may may have made the decision on his own. But they, they did have added security because of the past history. That this was a targeted event, and uh, regrettably, what is a, a magnificent celebration it was. Uh, was turned into the terror scene that we saw in the, those pictures. It's unbelievable how it takes events like this, or I should say episodes like this, for us to discover uh, what kind of significant, significant Jewish presence and historic presence there is in certain parts of the world. Exactly. Uh, lots going on, Malcolm. Lots happening. I'll tell you. I uh, the, the best news that you um, told us this morning, as far as I'm concerned, is that you went to Washington and you're still confident that leaders in this country are still sympathetic to and still have a, a a deep affection for Israel. Because when you see members of the House and sometimes members of the Senate uh, making outrageous statements, or obviously demonstrating that they have no idea what's really going on in the Middle East, it can be really disheartening. But I guess you've come across that many, many times in the last many decades. Just now it seems to be so much more acute. And because of the media coverage and because of the nature right. of the internet and the ability to tweet out uh, things and to say stuff and then apologize and say, well, it wasn't what we really meant, it wasn't exactly what we said and stuff. But, you know, the, the most effective thing is that, that we not be cowed, that we be standing up, that we support the people who are friends of ours, that we that we um, uh, know who who's on the, which side of the issues that people follow it. All the news is available. The information is available, uh, both here and in, in the print media and elsewhere, to follow what's going on. These are, are not insignificant. This is about our future. This is about our security. This is about how Jews are to be treated. And the, the continued rise in anti-Semitic incidents, the attacks that have continued to take place, we cannot become inured that they've just become commonplace. 
and so commonplace that it hardly gets reported and the community doesn't react in a sustained way. Thank God we are, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity. Um, there's huge amounts of money being spent first on physical security, but also on other ways to counter uh, the surge in anti-Semitism. And the members of Congress who came to speak yesterday, almost all of them, all of them, made reference to this and their concern and the the extent to which they, they now see. And, and it used to be very rare that people would talk about anti-Semitism amongst some forms of discrimination, hatred, bigotry. And yet we see even government agencies and some of the rules in the universities, the admissions uh, numbers for Jewish students to, to major universities are dropping precipitously. It's a deliberate effort on part of the universities. Uh, it's not a hazard, it's just an outcome. And it's it permeates all of society today, yeah, no and therefore question. people got to know and act. No question. Uh, thanks so much for joining us this morning, Mazel Tov again. And we'll speak, please God, next week. Not really. Malcolm Holmline is executive is is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Next week is Yom Yerushalayim. Uh, but if Malcolm's available, I think we'll do a weekly update. I think we will do a weekly update next week because the following week is Shavuos, and we will not have a weekly update. So please God, next week, everybody. Uh, Anya Mirshalayim will discuss Jerusalem and more with Malcolm here on JM in the AM. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Well, tomorrow we have the privilege of Reading the two parshios, Bahar and Bechukosai, we complete the Sefer Vayikra, Shabbos Chazak. Wow. And this should give us the Chizok, additional strength to look forward, Yes Hashem, to the forthcoming Yom Tov of Shavuos. According to the Chinuch, we have a total of 36 mitzvos this Shabbos. Parshas Bahar contains... 24 mitzvos, 7 positive and 17 restrictions. Parshas Bechukosai contains uh, 7 positive and 5 restrictions. 24 and 12 is 36 mitzvos. Before I share an interesting thought regarding Shemitah with you, which is found in Parshas Bahar, I'd like to just share with you a delicious Rashi and such an exciting Pasuk that I'd be honored if you brought the Chumash to the table tonight. And this is in Bichukosai chapter 26, Pasuk 32. And what does the Torah Kedosha teach us? That when you are in exile, says Hashem Hashimosi Ani Esa'oretz, I will make the land desolate. And your enemies that dwell on the land, they will be desolate. What does that mean? Rashi says on this verse, This is good news, a delicious prophecy for the Jewish people. That your enemies 
that will try to make a go of it in the land, they will not find nachas ruach. They will not have satisfaction in our land. It will remain desolate and waiting for. And I say waiting for because we've lived to see how Lahabdal, as I mentioned the name Mark Twain, not a friend of the Jew, but go those who can and want to just see it on the internet, Mark Twain and the Jews. And what does he write? He was in Palestine in the 1880s, and he writes how desolate the land is. And you know what? He can't understand it. Of course not. But listen carefully. He writes, and coming from even like the Ramban says at the end of Hazinu, that even if Hazinu had been written Lahamdal Elif Abdolos by a soothsayer, every word of it has come true, says Mark Twain, I can't believe how desolate the land is. And then he goes on to say, Wow, all of the nations rise and fall except for the Jewish people. He has outlived them all. And that is correct. And not only that, have we seen, Baruch Hashem, in our day, the fulfillment of the verse in Yechezkel, bring him to your table. Turn to chapter 26 and go to Pasuk 8. And there, what does Yechezkel say? Yechezkel says that the land of Israel is going to give its produce. When? For Ami, for the Jewish people, commensurate with the way the Jewish people come back to Eretz Yisrael, that's the way the land of Israel is producing. We see this miracle in front of our eyes. We see Jewish history. We see Jewish destiny. Wow. Okay, now let's get started. I want to share with you an exciting understanding of a Pasuk. And this Pasuk is found in Parshas Bahar at Sheni Kishahei In other words, the second Aliyah tomorrow that we have two Sifri, two Parshios. And what does the Pasuk read? Chapter 25, verse 19, says the Torah Kedosha, V'nosna Oretz Piria, the land will yield its produce, and you will eat your fill, and you will dwell securely on the land. What does it mean, you will eat your fill? What do you mean, what does it mean? I know what that means. You'll eat and you won't be hungry. No, that's not what Rashi says. Unbelievable. Rashi says, Rashi says, you're going to eat and the blessing is going to be in your intestines, in your stomach. And Rashi explains it further, that at the beginning of Parshas Bichin Kosai, in the third verse, the Torah says, You're going to eat your bread to satiation. And what is Rashi saying? You're going to eat a little bit, and it's going to be blessed within your intestines and your stomach. What does that mean? Normally, a healthy boy, a grown man, needs a full sandwich to 
satisfy them. Here, they're going to eat a half a sandwich. And they're not going to say, well, I'm not starved anymore. No, the half a sandwich is going to fill them. That will be the miracle. Now, in contrast to, watch this. Says the Pasuk after this, Pasuk 20, Should you say, What are we going to eat in the seventh year? After all, If we're not going to plant, If we're not going to harvest our grain, What are we going to eat in the seventh year? So Hashem says, watch this, I'll command my blessing in the sixth year. Now imagine, you've gone six years straight, so you would think, that you would just eke out something. No. The miracle is going to be that in the sixth year you're going to get the tvua, the produce, the yield, the shlosh hashonim. Unbelievable. For three years. Now what does that mean? For three years, part of the sixth and the seventh and into the eighth. Unbelievable. So, but, let's remember, if you get three times the amount, you need three times the amount of workers, you need three times the space of silos to store it. So there's a contrast here between three times the amount and the Rashi understands it, only a little bit will fill you. Whoa! So the rabbis teach us that if you have the proper emuna, that's the way it's going to be. The blessing will be from within. If not, then the blessing will be from without. But Rav Elyashiv Zatzal, in his Sefer, Tivrei Agadah, says something very fascinating. Go back to Pasuk Yotes. Says the Pasuk, Vinosno or its Piria, the land will give its produce, Vachaltem Lasova, and you will eat your fill. What does that mean? It means, says Revel Yashib, the nature of man is that if he knows that in several years they won't, you're not going to plant and there won't be ay, 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 produce, what's your nature? You're going to put away each month a little bit. So you're going to solve the problem. And so when the Shemitah comes, don't worry, I've put away in all the years enough that now I have for the seventh year. No! says the Torah, says Rav Yoshev, Vachaltem Lasova is not the way we took it before to mean there'll be a blessing in the land that you'll have enough food. No. Specifically, you are not to try to beat the system. Don't save and therefore skimp and each year don't eat your full completely. But he says, no, eat it all. Don't put some away. Vachaltem Lasova and as a result, you're showing bitochon, you're showing your emunah, you're showing your trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He brings the Medrash on the Pasuk, in coming in Vayikra Rabbah 11.5, Hashem Tzilcho Ayad Yeminecho. Tovah Melech says that Hashem is like our shadow. Now what does that mean? Just as the shadow provides and responds exactly what you put up, one finger, two finger, however kind of a comedy, sad kind of an expression you're going to put to the shadow. That's exactly the way it's going to respond. That's precisely the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu works with man. 
the more emuna, the more bitachon man has, that is exactly the way works with him. Now, all of us, quote-unquote, believe, but there's believing and believing. So therefore, let's remind ourselves, at the end of Lech Lecha, when the Torah first introduces us to Avram Avinu, the Torah says, this is in chapter 17, and what does the Torah say? Wait a minute. Torah says Now what does that mean? That Haran died Excuse me, this is the end of Noah At the end of Lech Lecha. So at the end of Parshas Noah When Avram Avinu Is first introduced on the scene, the Torah says as follows. And this is Pasuk 28 in chapter 11. Haran dies al-Pinei in the lifetime of Terach, his father. And Rashi brings the Chazal that Terach turned in his son to Nimrod and saying, uh-oh, my son is off the derech. My son refuses to embrace idolatry. And so, Nimrod said, you have a choice. Either accept the idolatry, or we're going to throw you into the furnace. Avram says, I'll take the ladder. And they, right before this, they said, okay, Haran, Avram's brother, what are you going to do? So Haran said, let me see what happens to my brother Avram. Sure enough, Avram who had complete and total emuna, he came out of the furnace unscathed. Haran, when they asked him, he saw Avram got out. Okay, I'll take plan B. I'll also go in. He never came out because he did not have complete faith. Rabbi Yoshev quotes a chazal from this coming week, next Tuesday's Tafyomi in Sota, Taf Memches, Amidbeis. The Gemara teaches, whoever has literally a loaf of bread in his basket, meaning he has now what to eat, but but he's concerned about the morrow, what's going to be. Such a person is counted among those who have a limited emuna belief, not a complete and total belief. The parsha, by telling us, Vachaltem Vasova, is not just a bracha, it's a charge. A charge that we are to beef up our emuna. Remember the machlokes, as the Gemara in Beitza, Tezayan Amanalev teaches between Hillel and Shammai that Shammai said, Every day, I'm obligated to prepare for Shabbos. That's how he understood. And therefore, Sunday he found something nice. On Monday, when he found nicer, he ate what he had set aside for Shabbos and put Mondays, and so throughout the rest of the week. All week long, he felt he has an obligation to prepare for Shabbos. But the Gemara says, Hillel, Midah Cheres. 
Hillel had Imuna. Part, not, not that Shammai didn't have Imuna, but he felt that he had to do something every day. And Hillel said, no, Baruch Hashem, Yom Yom Hashem is going to provide. My friends, you and I find it very hard to relate to Shemitah if we're not in Eretz Yisrael and if we're not in the quote, agricultural business, etc. But there's such a powerful concept that comes through that Hashem has demonstrated and please God will that ultimately He is the Baal Habayas. He's the one in charge. And if we accept that, then our Shabbos is going to be different. Our observance of mitzvot is different. And we're not going to perhaps miss a tefillah, b'tzibor, because after all, I have to make a living. Put things in the right perspective. That's a beautiful diok in this week's parsha from Rabbi Yoshev Zechrona Levrocha. Once again, Achal Temlasova, remember, he's in charge. Don't try to outsmart him by putting some away for each year in the Shemitah cycle that I can do this myself, just the opposite. Rely on him. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM in the AM, my thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin as we get set for Parshas Bechar and Bechukosai tomorrow. Shabbos Chazak. Uh, candle lighting time in New York, 743. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there as we get set to celebrate Mother's Day this coming Sunday. And again, my thanks to Rabbi Yudin. Our dear friend Joey Bodner is with us live via telephone. He is the uh, chairman of a wonderful event going on on the uh, 28th of May. This is two weeks from Sunday. Friendship Circle of Bergen County presents Heart and Soul, a musical evening with Avramel, Avram Freed, Sunday, May the 28th at Bergen Pack in Englewood, New Jersey. It starts at 7.30 p.m. Musical director Yuval Stupel. Concert chair is our good friend Joey Bodner. Tickets are on sale right now at FC Concert. That's Friendship Circle. FCConcert.com. FCConcert.com. For VIP and sponsorship opportunities, you can email concert at bcfriendship.com. That's concert at bcfriendship.com. Joey Bodner, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. How are you? Baruch Hashem doing well. A big event coming up, and I'm sure because Avram Fried, one of the great legends of Jewish music, plus Friendship Circle are involved, you're very excited about May the 28th. Yes, I am. Uh, first of all, Avram is a wonderful, wonderful singer, but more than that, even a wonderful person. And uh, I think it's a beautiful tribute to his history of all the beautiful things he's done over the years. And I uh, decided to accept his chairmanship and to pay tribute to him and to come and be part of this. And I think it's also Friendship Circle. Uh, Chabad has these amazing, amazing things that they do with branches everywhere. And we have one here in Bergen County. Uh, in and uh, they just do unbelievable stuff. Um, 
you know, they have Sunday programs for special needs kids. And then the real exciting program I see is that they take regular high school students from our local yeshivas and have them interact uh, with special needs kids. And I think it's wonderful for the special needs kids. And I think it's wonderful for these regular high school students to get exposed to people who aren't as necessarily as lucky as they are. And uh, helps bring them some normality to their lives and to their experiences. Yeah, it's it's really really uh, important, and what a point you're bringing up that we should emphasize. Many people in this audience are familiar with Friendship Circle, certainly Friendship Circle of Bergen County. But aside the work that they do with the group of people that they're targeting, as you just said, they're bringing in so many uh, kids from our uh, local day schools, yeshiva high schools, etc., to interact with. Uh, those groups, and to really um, uh, become more and more sensitive to some really important chesed opportunities in our community. So it's not just uh, the work that they're doing, but the the way that they're incorporating everybody in our community to be part of it. Yeah, and, you know, I've had my challenge over the recent years, and it's opened my eyes more toward uh, helping others and doing whatever. And I use my unfortunate recent disability. I'm, I'm not as physically active as I once upon a time was, but uh, realize how much it is important to spread what you have and to help others. And even if I'm limited in what I can do now, I still see how much I'm able to help others still, and I hope to continue for many more years to come as I did over the years when I was able to do much more. Yeah, well, Joe, I'll just say one thing. Joey Bodner's limited is, is equal to other people's unlimited, and you continue to display that heart and soul is the musical evening that friendship circle of bergen county is presenting with avram freed on sunday night may the 28th at bergen pack in englewood new jersey our good friend joey bodner is the chair of the concert uh tickets are available right now fc for friendship circle fcconcert.com again fcconcert.com by the way joe you know bergen county really well not everybody in this audience has ever been to bergen pack what could you tell us as far as i remember it's a really beautiful arena yeah i've been there a couple times for various events and it's in englewood it's great it's a a modern up-to-date facility um and it's important for me accessible and reasonable for that so it's important as well i don't know if you know there's been a recent update um, but we do that also that in addition to Avram, uh, a special tribute to Avram, we have additional performance. Did you hear about this? No, I mean, no, no, but I like, I like when you break news on this show, so go for it. <laughs> I don't like to catch you off guard. Oh, that's cool. Well, but it's a good, exciting, it's exciting here as well. So, um, as a special tribute to Avram and an appreciation of how great he is and how wonderful he is. Uh, we have the privilege that Simchalina will be joining us as well. Very nice. That's actually a yeah, wonder, that's actually a wonderful addition. You're talking about one of the top line entertainers out there. Yep. And it's just you know, it, it's an opportunity for the world, you know, at large, to really show appreciation to Avram all the wonderful things she's done over the years. Just just being seen here in Eric Central, as you know, he does a lot in, in both. But he, he's just such an open heart and such a warmth. And I've been in situations with him where he's done Chesed and Saka and to come and to sing, not, nothing talk about money, whatever, just because he knew it was an important Chesed. And he really does so much from his heart. And 
in a way, like Hashem has blessed him with such a, a wonderful career, and he goes, I want to give back. And that's what's so special about him. And I, I think that's a true tribute after all these years is to acknowledge that as super talented as he is and as wonderful as career as he has, he still had a very giving heart for 40 years. Look, you and I have come in contact with a lot of people in the Jewish music world over all these decades. There are a lot of mensches. Uh, people should not think otherwise. There are a lot of mensches in this industry. He is a mensch of all mensches, to say the least. Uh, everybody come out. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. Get ready to enjoy. Avram Freed, and now, as you just heard from Joey Bodner, Simcha Liner as well, on the night of May 28th. It's the Sunday after Shavuos. Shavuos is Friday Shabbos. The next night, Memorial Day weekend, Sunday night, it's happening May the 28th at Bergen Pack in Englewood, New Jersey. Begins at 7.30. Easy um, a way to get tickets. Just go to the web at FC for Friendship Circle, FC concert.com fcconcert.com Joey Bodner Big Eshikoch taking on this role as concert chair and I'm sure it's going to be a very successful event thank you very much have a wonderful Shabbos have a great Shabbos more coming up you're listening to JM in the AM
JM in the AM. Can't think of a more appropriate selection after a conversation about the great Avramel, Avram Freed, than Chazak on this uh, Erev Shabbos Chazak here at JM in the AM. Candlelighting at 743 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Bahar Bechukosai will wrap up the book of Ayikra. It is, in fact, Shabbos Chazak here at uh, JM in the AM. It's Shabbos Chazak everywhere. Uh, Mother's Day is Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And thanks so much for tuning in to JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, the Home Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Mazal Tov going out to Naomi Nachman, the 300th episode of Table for Two. That's a long time. We're talking about years and years. The 300th episode of Table for Two, recorded in Australia, is coming up at 9 a.m., just 12 minutes from now here at JM in the AM, or I should say here at the, the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, also, keep in mind that at 10 o'clock, the return of the uh, Kedem presentation that we call the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, that's at 10 o'clock this morning, Eastern time right here at JM. And there's really no reason to... to Touch that dial. Keep it on the app. Keep it on the computer. Keep it on the listen line. Wherever you have, uh, wherever you're listening right now, just keep it there because we have amazing programming all through the day. And Naomi's coming up. Then Mark's coming up. Arab Shabbos music mix all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. There's just a lot happening. Plenty going on. Brand new Aton Cats. Here he is. This is JM in the AM. This is the niggin that I sing. That I sing at my bar mitzvah. And uh, ever since then, it's the song my father and I sing together often. But this is no exception. I want everybody singing together when we start. All right?
On this side, I can't hear you. Let's go. Let's go ahead. J.M. the A.M. with Live in Jerusalem, volume number three. Eitan Katz with his father, the great Shalom Katz, here on a Friday morning broadcast at J.M. in the A.M. Wow, quite an Arab Shabbos selection, to say the least. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys, J.M. in the A.M.
Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well in. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world web at AchimSegal.com and the Segal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing day and an amazing week for us here at JMM. My thanks to Avrami for hosting yesterday. Mazel tov to Naomi Nachman coming up next with her 300th episode of Table for Two. Thank you to Mark Zamek. He's got the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler and Matis with a Mother's Day edition of JM Sunday this coming Sunday beginning at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until uh, next time, Nachum Sigal reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.